The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, beginning at verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sisters and brothers in our Lord Jesus Christ, as you've probably realized by now as we've been walking through the Lord's Prayer, this is not an easy prayer for us to pray. In our society, with our focus and values of self-sufficiency and self-determination, praying first and foremost that God's name be considered special, that God's rule be first in our lives and on the earth, that what God wants be done over and above what we want, it's not easy. Sorry, my microphone got a little stuck. Not my will. That was a joke. Praying the Lord's Prayer is an act of self-denial, an act of self-sacrifice, and that's not something that comes naturally to us in our society. We are trained from birth, we're bombarded through the media, throughout our lives, to consider our own needs above the needs of others. And the Lord's Prayer challenges this whole outlook on life. Today in our preaching, we look at the third petition of the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A prayer of self-rejection, as the Catechism puts it. Help us and all people to reject our own wills and to obey your will without any backtalk. Help us, we pray, to reject our own wills. 
to reject our desires, to reject what we want, and to obey what you want. And this is like the opposite of how we pray. And I don't think that we think we're rejecting God's will. I think that we're kind of trained in our culture to believe that we kind of naturally want what God wants. And so that's how we pray. We pray for what we want. We pray for what we feel like we need. Help me to pass my test. Help me to get good grades. Help me to do well in my interview. Help me to get that job. Help me to get that promotion. Help me to be a good person. Help me to be a good spouse, good parent, good friend. Help me with the things that I want. Because obviously God wants nothing more than for me to get what I want. When I was living in Grand Rapids, in Michigan, there was a widower in the church where I attended. And our practice at that church was that we always had Sunday school after the morning service. And so the youth would go into the classrooms and go to catechism, and all the adults who stayed after the service would go into kind of this, uh, the gym, the fellowship hall, um, for a learning opportunity. And one Sunday, this widower, led the adult education time. And he told his story of his wife's struggle with cancer. And his story was kind of similar to a lot of people who have gone through the same thing. There was an unusual lump that worried the doctor, so they were sent for tests, and at a follow-up appointment, the doctor told them that the lump was cancerous and that things didn't look good. The doctor recommended aggressive treatment with chemo and radiation, and that took its toll. Things progressively got worse. But he and his wife, they prayed together every day, every night, multiple times a day for healing, that God would heal her, that God would remove the cancer from her body, that God would crush the enemy that was eating her away from the inside. Every day. They prayed this prayer. God, bring your healing. God, bring your healing. God, bring your healing. Crush the enemy. Push back this plague. Let us get back to normal life. Bring your healing. Bring your healing. Until one day they stopped. They stopped praying for God to heal her and started to pray, God, not as we will, your will be done. A month later, she died. And I don't know about you, but my natural reaction is to rage against a story like that. To pray fervently for deliverance, for healing, for salvation, and then to stop. It seems like defeat. It seems like resignation. It feels like giving up. I think it would have been hard for me to give up that prayer. Let's just try one more time, one more day, one more prayer for healing. Prayer for deliverance, just one more time. Pray that this cup of suffering would pass, 
Pray that we would be restored. Pray that we would be given just a little more time to do the work we feel called to do. Pray for another day of life. I imagine that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, facing the pressure and the magnitude of what he was about to endure, felt the same way. Three times he goes to pray. Three times he asks for the cup of suffering to pass, to be taken away. Three times he pleads with his heavenly father to change his mind about what must be done. I wonder how many of us see Jesus' words here, not my will but yours be done, as words of defeat, as words of resignation. This isn't what I want, God, but who am I to say what's right? Who am I compared to your awesome power? Who am I compared to your incomprehensible wisdom? Who am I? And that kind of thinking to us in our society seems really sad. We are trained throughout our lives to have confidence in ourselves, to trust our instincts, to pursue our desires. And giving those things up seems like a betrayal of who we are. It's difficult for us to hear Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane as anything other than resigned defeat. And because of the way that we've been trained to think by the powers of this world, it's difficult for us to pray this prayer with anything other than a voice of hopelessness. We don't pray your will be done unless we're at the end of our rope. We don't pray your will be done unless there's nothing left to pray for. We pray your will be done only when we've given up on God answering any of our other prayers. Scripture challenges us in this way. Scripture invites us into a different picture of what it means to pray to God, of what it means to follow him. Through these words, God challenges us to reframe our worldview, to rewrite our narrative, so to speak. Praying for God's will to be done shouldn't be an act of resignation and defeat. It shouldn't be a prayer of hopelessness. It should be a pr the, the, the most hopeful of prayers. A prayer of trust, a prayer of faith, a prayer of confidence, not in ourselves, but in the God who keeps his promises. Scripture tells us that we ought to pray for God's will before our own wills. Because only God's will is good. Jesus follows God's will in obedience through the rest of this story. And imagine if he hadn't. Imagine 
what the story would have been like if Jesus had left the garden to try and escape his betrayer. Imagine what a different story we would be telling today. But we're not. As the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, Jesus Christ, even though he was in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be used to his own advantage, but instead he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the form of a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on the earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Sisters and brothers, God has more in store for us than we could ever ask or imagine. As Joseph says to his brothers when they're reunited in the Old Testament, what you intended for evil, God used for good. And here's the thing. God's will will be done. It doesn't matter if we're on board or not. God's will will be done. We don't make God's will happen any more than we can prevent it. We don't bring about the coming kingdom any more than we can stop its coming. God will accomplish his purpose in our lives. God will accomplish his purpose on the earth. So why do we pray this prayer? We pray for God's will to be done. Not to shape God, but to shape ourselves. In praying this prayer, we are called to empty ourselves as Christ emptied himself so that we can be filled with God. As we more and more reject our own wills, our own desires, our own plan for what we think God ought to do, we are opened up more and more to the plan that God has for us. The desire that God has for this world. We are opened up more and more to the will of God. Praying for God's will to be done is an act of self-denial. It is an act of self-rejection. It is an act of taking up our cross to follow our Savior who suffered and died for the sake of the world. Praying for God's will is an act it is an act of faith in the God who promises hope to a despairing world. It is an act of faith in the God who has more in store for us than we could ever ask or imagine. We ask for healing when God wants to give us a new body. We ask for relief when God wants to give us shalom. We ask for respite when God wants to give us victory. We ask for another year when God wants to give us resurrection. And so we can be bold. We can take risks for the kingdom of God, trusting in our God to fulfill his promises. 
We can do things that people might think are reckless, like selling all we have to give to the poor, like leaving behind a successful career to pursue God's call to ministry, like changing our careful plans to pursue the will of God for our lives. Because we know that on the other side of the pain, there is wholeness. On the other side of confession, there is forgiveness. On the other side of the struggle, there is shalom. On the other side of suffering, there is glory. And on the other side of death, brothers and sisters, there is resurrection. More than we could ask or imagine. After the widower at my church in Grand Rapids told his story, his wife's story, someone asked him whether praying your will be done felt like giving up. And he shared a bit more of their story. The chemo and the radiation had taken their toll on his wife's body, and the cancer was still there, and it was still growing. His wife was despairing of life, and he was hopeless that God would ever answer their prayer and they did start praying, your will be done, because they had given up. They did. But when they started praying for God's will, instead of for their own will, their whole outlook on the situation changed. His wife began to prepare herself for death, to prepare herself to meet her maker, repairing her broken relationships, tying up loose ends, focusing on her relationship with God. And he was able to start saying goodbye, getting the house in order, spending time with her, reflecting on her life, singing with her, cooking her meals, telling her all the things he appreciated about her, caring for her in the ways that she had always cared for him. They spent a lot of time together in prayer, in scripture reading, reading about the resurrection, about the promises of God. And when the time finally came, and she breathed her last, and gave up her spirit, they were both filled with hope, with faith, with trust in the God who keeps his promises. And they both knew peace. Because they knew that God's will was to raise them from the dead. What had started as a prayer of defeat, a prayer of resignation, a prayer of giving up, had become a prayer of hope, a prayer of faith, a prayer of trust in the Lord. Far from defeatist, this prayer became liberating for them, freeing for them. And they were moved from a place of fear and anxiety to a place of hope, a 
place of peace, knowing that on the other side of death, there is resurrection. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Merciful Father in heaven, we pray that you would send us your Holy Spirit. Help us and all people to reject our own wills and to obey you. For your will alone is good. Give us confidence and faith in this truth. That you are a God who keeps his promises. Help us one and all to carry out the work that we are called to do as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven knowing that on the other side of death, there is resurrection. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray.